How to write a systematic review. Rick Wright, Kurt Spinder and others. From Barnes Jewish Hospital at Washington University School of Medicine. Clinical Orthopedics and Related Research, 2007. Evidence-Based Medicine, EBM, is the combination of the best available research evidence with clinical experience and patients' needs. The concept of EBM as a part of clinical decision-making has become increasingly popular over the last decade. In the hierarchy of studies, meta-analysis and systemic reviews occupy the highest levels. A systemic review of a clinical question can be performed by following a relatively standard form. These techniques, as described here, can be performed without formal training. Systemic reviews conducted in this fashion can be used as a higher form of current concepts or as review articles and replace the traditional expert opinion narrative review. Systematic reviews, as well as meta-analysis of appropriate studies can be the best form of evidence available for clinicians. Evidence-based medicine, EBM, uses the best available research evidence along with clinical experience and patient needs and expectations. According to Sackett and others, the current era of recognizing these ideas and assigning the, the term EBM to the concepts was begun by Gordon Guyot and a group he led in McMaster University in 1992. By 1998, a thousand publications addressed the topic. A variety of factors contributed to the increased importance of EBM. 1. Physicians have a daily need for relevant information regarding diagnosis, treatment and prognosis. The traditional information sources are frequently out of date, incorrect or overwhelming in their volume. The divergence in increased clinical experience from decreased scientific study, knowledge over time and for time constraints with a few minutes per week for reading and review. A few recent developments have helped to overcome these barriers, including 1. New strategies for tracking and evaluating evidence 2. Evidence-based journals 3. Technological advancements for searching and acquiring the information seconds and 4. Systematic-focused reviews of healthcare studies Historically, expert opinion has been presented in narrative reviews, which are not evidence-based and consequently have limitations. Unsystematic narrative reviews are more likely to include on research selected by authors, thereby introducing bias. Hence, they frequently lag behind and contradict available evidence. However, a systemic review, as defined by Cook and others, is the application of scientific strategies that limit bias by the systematic assembly, critical appraisal and synthesis of the all relevant studies on a specific topic. 
systematic reviews, are labor-intensive and require expertise in the subject matter and review methods. The latter is particularly important because when studies are sufficiently similar, a meta-analysis, which involves the statistical pouring of data from individual studies, may be appropriate. When the results of several studies seem familiar, a meta-analysis can yield a more precise overall estimate of the treatment effect. If studies seem sufficiently comparable and reviewers are considering pooling the results, the next step is to determine heterogeneity of the data. Determining heterogeneity requires a biostatistician or meta-analyst and a clinician with good clinical sense, because statistical tests for heterogeneity notwithstanding ascertaining clinical heterogeneity, for example, differences in study populations, require a clinician familiar with the subject matter. Heterogeneity is a double-edged sword. It improves external validity at the cost of internal validity. In other words, using very narrow inclusion criteria can create more homogeneous data, but at some point this process will exclude patients with certain characteristics or exposures. Making data less generalizable as it can be very inappropriate to pool dissimilar studies in a meta-analysis, but it's never inappropriate to undertake a systematic review. To that end, if studies are dissimilar, precluding a meta-analysis, a descriptive summary of the studies in a systematic review should be performed. Reviewers often narrow inclusion criteria to deal with heterogeneity by including only those studies reporting a particular outcome, or by limiting the review to specific study designs. The disadvantage of this approach is it biases the review against potentially valuable studies, not reporting an outcome in a specific manner. Frequently, these studies meeting inclusion criteria may represent heterogeneous studies which should not be combined for statistical evaluation. In that setting, a systematic review of available data presented in qualitative form following clearly defined methods allows orthopedics some freedom in interpreting the best evidence. Systematic reviews and meta-analysis of a group of level 1 and 2 studies are the highest level of evidence. Reviews of lower-level studies can be performed by thus lower levels of experience. These steps of performing a systematic reviews are noted in Appendix 2. The steps of performing a systematic review are reasonably straightforward and can be performed by many researchers. The goal of our overview is to summarize the critical steps in performing a systematic review. While such overviews have been previously published, we believe this will allow readers to better understand the reviews and feel comfortable in potentially performing systematic reviews in the future. 
as systemic reviews become more commonly understood and accepted in orthopedics, we believe they will ultimately be the formal expected for the reviews and current concepts in our journal. Steps in writing a systematic review. Research question. The first step in performing a systematic review is to formulate a primary research question as part of the research protocol. The goal of developing a research protocol is to allow formulation of the questions and methods of the review before retrieving the literature. This helps minimize bias. As well, reasoned protocol and well-formulated research question increase the efficiency of the review by limiting the time and costs of identifying and obtaining relevant literature. At the outset, investigators must determine the level of evidence that will be included in the systematic review. For example, randomized clinical trials (RCTs) versus observational studies, and any method restrictions such as allocation concealment. Appropriate questions to be addressed include 1. Phenomena associated with disease or interventions 2. Disease or condition frequency 3. Diagnostic accuracy 4. Disease etiology and or risk factors 5. Prognosis and 6. Intervention facts the aims of a systematic review can be varied and include 1. Clarifying the relative strength and weaknesses of the literature on the question 2. Summarizing a large amount of literature 3. Resolving literature conflicts 4. Evaluating the need for a large clinical trial 5. Avoiding a redundant, unnecessary trial 6. Increasing the statistical power of smaller studies. 7. Improving the precision or identify a smaller treatment effect. And 8. Improving the generalizability of treatment outcomes. The focus of the question is an important issue. If the question is too narrow, then very few studies may be identified and the generalizability to any other populations may be limited. If the questions remain too broad, it can be difficult to reach conclusions applicable to any single population. A well-formulated research question usually contains four parts and is known by the acronym PICO Population, Patient Groups Studied, Intervention, Treatment Test or Exposure for the Population, Comparison alternative intervention or control and outcome results of the interventions. Research protocol. Once the research question is formulated, the research protocol is developed. The method for literature searching, screening, data extraction and analysis should be contained in a written document to minimize bias before starting the literature research. Strict inclusion and exclusion criteria for studies should be determined. The focus of this step is experimental design. 
the search question influences experimental designs considered for inclusion, for instance, RCT, experimental studies, without randomization, observational studies with control groups, court and case control, and observational studies without control groups. Cross-sectional and case series. Although method is important, the quality of a systematic review depends on the quality of the studies appraised. It can be difficult to reach meaningful conclusions from reviews of low-level evidence, and thus systematic reviews are commonly limited to high-level evidence, level 1 or 2. Studies RCTs. If a research question necessitates the inclusion of a low-level evidence, level 3 retrospective course or level 4 case series, then the systematic review is likewise low-level evidence. Such reviews can be important preliminary studies and may identify incidents of results and areas of future research. Literature search. After developing the research question and protocol, a literature search commences. Appendix 3. Midline and MBase bibliographic databases have made this step more straightforward. Midline includes 10 million references to journal articles since 1966. The majority of the journals referenced are published in the United States. InBase contains 8 million references to journal articles published since 1974. The InBase data provide better coverage of European journals. Midline can be accessed online free through PubMed. InBase requires a subscription to which most university or hospital libraries have access. Both databases should be searched because there is only 34% of a lap of journals between the two databases. A simple midline search is inadequate, and depending on the subject of the research question, only 30% to 80% of RCTs are identified. The Cochrane Collaboration has established a Cochrane Control Trials Register which contains 250,000 records of controlled trials. University or hospital libraries typically have access to the Cochrane Library by city room or online. The terms searched for in these databases should be included in the manuscript as part of the search strategy. After identifying studies using the electronic databases, the bibliographies should be reviewed to identify additional relevant studies. The bibliographies of the articles identified by this previous step should then also be reviewed. Bibliographies of the review articles in the field should be searched. Hence, searching of pertinent journals for the question should also be undertaken. This is particularly important for the previous six months, when journalist articles may not yet be contained in electronic databases. 
publication bias discussed later remains an issue for systematic reviews. In general, this bias exists when studies with only positive or substantial differences are published. Thus, unpublished studies, particularly those with substantial negative or inconclusive results, may contain data that would affect the overall conclusions of a systematic review. Easterbrook and others found no substantial differences in quality between published and unpublished clinical studies. In one study, meta-analysis limited to published trials overestimated an effect by 12% compared with those including published and grey literature. In addition to the lack of meaningful peer review, abstracts from meetings typically do not include enough data for a thorough review. The goal of the literature search is to be exhaustive enough to develop a comprehensive list of potential relevant studies. All of these studies included in the systematic review will come from this list. Before finalizing the search, it is important to screen these studies to remove any duplicate studies by entering them into a computer-based reference management system. For example, EndNote, Prosite or Reference Manager. This also makes it easy to provide a list of initial references if a read-off or journal editor requires them. A minimal of two reviews performs a first-stage screening of tiles, an abstract base on the research question and its study design, population, intervention and outcome to be studied. Based on the initial screening, selected full-text articles are obtained for the second-stage screening. Two reviews minimize the introduction of bias by either reviewer. Any study identified by either reviewer should be included. Using the full text, a second-stage screening is performed by at least two reviewers. These studies selected are then submitted for data extraction. Publication bias obviously affects studies found in a literature search. This bias can distort the conclusions of the systematic review. Ultimate publication of studies, unfortunately, is not independent of the results. Positive studies indicating the effectiveness of a treatment are more likely to be published. An English language bias exists where positive findings are more likely to be published in English. Hence, reviewers that limit articles to English language may introduce bias. Large studies are commonly published more than once and are more likely to be cited in the bibliographies of other studies. Until recently, some editors have stated in their instructions to authors that studies not demonstrating statistically significant differences would not be published. Many of these problems have difficult to control in a systematic review, but at least language bias can be minimized by searching for foreign publications. This can add to the complexity and costs of a review by requiring translator of studies the authors are unable to read. 
If practical, these studies should be included. Fortunately, the effect of language bias minimally impacts the conclusions of systematic reviews. Data extraction A standardized form paper electronic assists in the task of data extraction. The electronic form offers the advantage of simultaneously data retrieval and data entry in one step. Then any future use of the data becomes easier. The forms should be carefully designed and piloted on a few studies before incorporation for the entire review. The data collection forms may change between different systematic reviews. Some generic items should be contained in all systematic review data collection forms. Depending on the particular systematic review, more specific data collection items may indeed to be extracted for appropriate review, including specific items regarding population studied, intervention used, and outcomes measured. An example of a manuscript worksheet for data extraction is contained in an article by Spindler and others. After data extraction, final inclusion and exclusion decisions are made regarding the manuscripts. Exclusions made at this step should be recorded, including the reason for exclusion for future reference if readers, journal editors or reviewers desired information. Data extraction should be performed by two independent reviewers and any differences reconciled by mutual agreement. Quality appraisal. The key step in systematic review is quality appraisal of the included studies. Several quality scales and checklists have been developed to assist in this process. However, overall scores may not provide adequate information regarding individual strengths and weaknesses of these studies. A study may have a raw score on a scale which indicates a quality study but contains a fatal flaw in methods. All of these scales are arbitrarily subjective in the relative values assigned for different items. A study evaluating the use of these scales on a set of manuscripts reported different scales have developed widely disparate scores. Therefore, most researchers agree a checklist of necessary elements for a quality study represents a more reasonable approach to quality appraisal. Items on the checklist missing in an individual study can then be presented in a qualitative manner in the systematic review. While many checklists exist, the basic format resembles the items coordinated in the consort statement. Revised recommendations for improving the quality of reports in parallel group randomized trials. A minimum of two independent reviewers should assess the quality of this study. Differences can be reconciled by mutual agreement or by a third reviewer. Some reviewers have suggested quiet appraisal of studies should be performed in a blinded fashion by blacking out journal names, study title, authors and institutions.
This involves a substantial amount of work for the reviewers and has been suggested the ultimate results of the systematic review and not affected by this blinding. Quality remains a difficult concept to define. However, study quality at a minimum includes internal and external validity. Internal validity refers to the minimization of method error or bias in a study. External validity refers to the generalizability of the conclusions of a trial to other populations. A clinical trial may have high internal validity without applicability to other populations, but a trial without internal validity has minimal external validity. The four main biases affecting method quality include selection, performance, detection and attrition bias. Selection bias refers to problems in the randomization process. The allocation sequence must be unpredictable and blinded to the investigators who enroll patients. Examples of adequate allocation sequences include computer-generated random numbers, tables of random numbers, drawing lots, or envelopes. One potential problem with envelope randomization occurs when the investigator can see through the envelope. Coin tossing, shuffling cards or rolling dice while random are other methods with possible allocation problems. Examples of inadequate generation of allocation include case record number, date of birth, date of admission and alternating patients. Failure of adequate allocation can result in different populations exposed to the interventions and invalid conclusions. Performance bias becomes an issue if additional treatments or interventions are provided to one of the groups. Blinding of patients and treatment providers helps prevent the bias and minimizes the placebo response between the two groups. Detection bias occurs if the investigators are influenced by their location sequence in assessing outcomes. This is minimized by blinding patients and investigators, including other healthcare personnel such as radiologists. Measuring outcomes or administering outcome instruments. Trials inadequately reporting details regarding concealment of treatment allocation overestimate the effect of the intervention by 30% to 40% compared with trials adequately describing an allocation concealment. Attrition base refers to the exclusion of patients or losses to follow up that occur after treatment allocation. All randomized patients should be included in the analysis and kept in their original treatment groups, regardless of ultimate treatment. This is the intention to treat principle and it minimizes selection bias. In large clinical trials, some patients will be lost to follow up and final outcome cannot be assessed. Authors must discuss the number of patients lost to follow up and any effect this may have on the results. 
a checklist that says for these four important biases is important to data extraction and should be mentioned in any qualitative presentation of studies. Data analysis and results. After including and excluding studies based on the quality appraisal, data analysis and results of these studies should be undertaken. The initial step for this process involves a simple descriptive evaluation of each study, commonly presented in tubular format. Tables should include the population and study, the interventions and outcomes. Methods and biases can also be included. The decision about items to include in the description relates back to the research question. Review of such tables can help determine if results from different studies can be pooled and subjected to a meta-analysis. When indicated, a meta-analysis can decrease random errors found in isolated studies. Again, meta-analysis is not always indicated nor feasible because the clinical heterogeneity be between studies with regards to populations, interventions or form of outcome assessment. In addition, method heterogeneity in study design and quality affect the ability to perform a meta-analysis. The combination of poor quality studies with high quality studies will not increase the validity of the conclusions and, in essence, lowers the level of evidence of the review. Statistical methods and programs exist for the evaluation of heterogeneity using meta-regression and for the performance of meta-analysis. Involvement of a statistician is critical. When meta-analysis is anticipated, a statistician should be involved early development of the research protocol. Interpretation of results Most of this information can be presented in the data analysis and results table in the manuscript. The strengths and weaknesses of the included studies must be discussed. Meta-analysis can make interpreting the effects of the intervention easy to present and conclusions relatively straightforward. When study heterogeneity precludes meta-analysis, the authors of the systematic review need to summarize the findings based on the strength of the individual studies and reach conclusions if indicated. The goal of this section of a systematic review is to make conclusions based on the best available scientific evidence to improve clinical decision making. Frequently, the number of studies, population size or study quality makes this difficult and the authors should make recommendations regarding future studies. These recommendations may include study design, methods, sample size and quality issues necessary to adequately power a future study. Systematic reviews can improve patient care by summarizing areas which have been adequately investigated and identify deficient areas to focus future research efforts and resources.
Discussion. Some believe systematic reviews represent less effort than a primary clinical study. As can be seen by this review, a quality systematic review requires substantial preparation and planning. After adequate development of the research question and protocol, a considerable amount of effort is required to search the literature, appraise the study quality and reach thoughtful, appropriate conclusions. Systematic reviews can suffer from a variety of weaknesses during their preparation. A less than through literature search may miss important studies, which may affect conclusions. Frequently, orthopedic clinical issues have not been addressed or do not lend themselves to a higher level of evidence studies. The level of conclusions reached, however, cannot exceed the level of the studies reviewed. A critical search of four biases is required to adequately assess the studies. An understanding of the issues critical to studies of a particular topic is important to determine those potential biases critical to the conclusions of a study. Despite these limitations, systematic reviews can add substantially to our available evidence for clinical decision-making. These deductions often represent information previously unavailable or unattainable because of study complexity or size required to answer the research question. Using the steps described in this article, a researcher can perform a systematic review even if he or she is not formally trained in the methods. The systematic approach to a radical review of all the available evidence will elevate the standards previously acceptable for non-systematic narrative expert opinion reviews. Thank you for listening and welcome to Pop Reading.